Hi, Shannon Waller here, and welcome to Inside Strategic Coach with Dan Sullivan. Dan, you've had an expression that you have used for years, and you were coaching it in the workshop the other day, and then you added to it, and I could not wait to talk to you about it in our regular conversations. So what you said was rescuing people, team members especially, makes everyone less capable and distorts the future. Mm-hmm. I found that a really interesting concept and idea. So I'd like to know what you mean by rescuing people. Well, in business, there's lots of situations where someone could end up with an obligation or they're required to do something and they just don't have the capability for it. And consequently, it looks like the project that they're working on is failing and that they're failing. And I say, I never rescue them. I never rescue people because You disenable them if you rescue them. And I'll let the project collapse rather than step in and try to save the project. I'll let it collapse. I mean, there are some things which, you know, could end you up in jail or you could threaten the financial future of your company. But I'm talking about sort of, you know, internal projects. There's lots of them. There's dozens of them. And somebody just fails. And I just let it fail. Yeah. And then afterwards, I say, okay, let's do a real review. We call it an experience transformer. And everybody's involved. Everybody's involved. The person who was in the spotlight for being most responsible for the failure, it was their responsibility and they didn't deliver. And I said, let's just look at this from the standpoint of a lesson for everybody. So um, first of all, what really worked about this project? What was good about it? What did we learn? Did we learn? Did we make progress? And nobody wants to talk about that because it's a failure. And I said, no, 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 it's experience. I said, there's no worthless experience. There's experience that's painful, but it's not worthless. And, you know, little by little, people said, you know, well, it was a good idea. And what we learned is to make sure that the right teams are put together to do it. And I said, yeah. So I spend the first part of it, and then I say, okay, what didn't work about it? What didn't work about it? You know, and everybody has their say, including the person who, but it's very interesting. The person who was perceived as failing, once other people said that good things happen, they are more willing to just be truthful about their own performance. Okay. Otherwise, they're like a scapegoat. You know, they feel like a scapegoat for the project. And then I say, okay, in the future, if we're ever doing a similar thing in the future, how would we approach it differently in such a way that it actually improved? I'm not saying that there is one thing that always happens out of that. But what you've done is you've taken a failure and made it into an organizational lesson and organizational learning Mm. and there will be all sorts of sub themes that come out of that and said you know the person who says i failed i should have reached out immediately that i was having a huff and i said yeah you cut yourself off from help first of all you let it go a long time without telling anybody people were depending on that it was moving forward and you didn't do it so the person comes to grips with the fact you know if I had just said, you know, look, I'm having a really hard time with this. I don't know if I can pull it up. I would have gotten all the help I needed, but I cut myself off from help. So stopping there, 
that if I went in or some other senior team member went in or even a colleague of the person went in and rescued them, they would have been probably permanently disabled from that experience. And they would feel that they didn't have capability, not only in that area, but in many areas. And they said, don't ever take initiative again. Don't ever get yourself in a position where you have to be responsible. And you've got basically a damaged person. But not only that, the organization didn't learn anything from the situation because it was somebody's fault. Well, somebody's fault is not a learning experience. Right. Okay, that's profound. <laughs> somebody's fault, so laying blame, is not a learning experience. Nobody learns. The person doesn't learn. Well, everybody learns the wrong lesson. You know, never depend on so-and-so. That's a long lesson, you know boy, I'm never going to allow myself to be in a position that they were. Look what happened to them, you know, and everything like that. So my sense is that I'm again, (laughs) I'm against any strategy which in any way decreases the learning that can be gained from any kind of experience. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't want to deprive people of learning, you know, and I think rescuing automatically deprives people of learning. And they don't have a chance to take accountability, responsible, and the definition of responsible, the best one, is able to respond. Yeah. And if they're unable to respond, then they become a victim, and then you get into a whole bunch of trauma. Not a good idea. And this idea, Dan, of distorting the future, so it means that when the person, the team, has not learned from the experience, it messes up with what could potentially have happened. Well, the organization becomes less capable in the future, won't take on big goals, you know, and everything like that. And my sense is, because even if you rescue them, they still feel blamed. Right. Oh, yes, you're right. They know that they were to blame and nobody's talking about it. Nobody's talking about it. So they know that the word's going around that they failed, but it wasn't an open subject that could actually be talked about. Nothing could be learned from it. And the other thing is, personally, I never want to be seen as a rescuer. So one way that I'm never seen as a rescuer is that I never rescue. (laughs) That would be congruent. Yeah, that seems consistent. Very consistent. If you don't want to be known for something, just don't ever do that thing. (laughs) This might seem like an obvious question, but it may not be. Why don't you want to be seen as a rescuer? I want to be known as a problem solver, as a creator, as, you know, but I won't help you unless you ask for help. If you ask for help, I'll help to the degree I can, or I'll suggest where help can be found. But if you don't ask me, I'm not going to volunteer it. What I find fascinating about this conversation, Dan, is that organization and the person is going to learn something from this situation. It's what are they learning, right? So if you rescue the person, they're going to learn one unhealthy, unproductive ways of thinking and feeling about a situation. But if you don't rescue, the learning that comes from that, and I've heard you say multitude of times from the Experience Transformer tool that is the number one learning tool ever, just saying, use it personally and professionally a ton, is that it's almost never the person, you know, that's a small part of it. It's actually the system. There is a system problem. There is a fault, a flaw in the system. As an organization, we did not put the job together correctly. We did not put the 
project together. You know, we didn't put the event together properly. I find that you can have the wrong person in the wrong thing. And to that extent, it's a individual failure. But it was the organization that put the wrong person in the wrong situation. So I think if you back up and make it a organizational issue that has to be improved, mm-hmm. I think it does everybody much more good. 100%. Yeah. What I love about it, and this goes along with, with one of our original elements of company culture, which is that you want everyone playing offense and no one playing defense. Yeah. No defense budget is what you call it. Yeah. That the most important thing is not to be blamed for when things go wrong. I think that you might as well end your organization and start over with a new one. (laughs) Yeah, no, because there's no innovation. There's no growth. There's no learning. Everybody's protecting themselves from getting criticized, getting pointed out, getting blamed. I said, you've lost the future of the organization. You might as well start over. Yeah, just declare bankruptcy, (laughs) (laughs) you know, or something like that. And I I think it's hard to come from when a culture becomes wary of taking personal responsibility. I think you've lost all electric power in your organization. Uh uh And you also will not attract or retain the people who are wanting to innovate, wanting to experiment. And it's like the culture that goes along with one of experimentation and learning from what didn't work rather than being blamed is so different. It means that failure actually doesn't mean much. It just means, oh, one way not to be successful that we just learned and we don't have to repeat it. Now we can keep moving forward until what will have us be successful. Mm -hmm. So it totally takes the sting out. What I find the paradox in this, Dan, is that most people think that rescuing someone will help them, right? But it's actually not rescuing them and allowing them to learn and take personal ownership of it that will actually help them. Yeah, and a lot of people are rescuers because they want to be liked. But actually, my experience is that when you rescue someone, they resent you for the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. They despise you for rescuing them. Yep. You know, I've just done a little anecdotal research, you know, and I said, you know, all of our clients are way, way away from school, you know, when they went to grade school or high school. And I said, which teachers from the vantage point of 25 or 30 years, maybe 50 years, looking back, do you appreciate the most? And they say the tough ones that would never give me a pass. They always demanded that I do what I did. And I said, and which ones do you feel you didn't really learn anything? The ones that were trying to be nice and they would help me out, so. Mr. Bialstock, grade 13 history. Yeah. One of the toughest courses and taught me more about succinct writing than any one. We don't appreciate people who protect us from our learning experience. They get in the way of our learning experience. You know, it's like the modern mode that you don't have grades in school. You know, they said if you're a, you make it to Harvard, you get nothing but A's. You know, get nothing but A's. And I said, yeah, but how does that help them? You know, the whole point is that you don't know what winning is until you've had a complete and totally unfiltered experience of losing. Mm-hmm. You know, so when I lose, I said, boy, I just improved. I know what winning 
isn't. And I know what winning doesn't feel like because losing Mm -hmm. doesn't feel good. And I think there's this desire that people are really fragile and you have to protect them from negative experience. But all it does is make them cautious and timid and weak. I was going to say the mindset that you're approaching someone with is that they are more than capable of learning and growing and getting better and figuring out a different, better way in the next situation. So you're treating them actually as more capable and more resilient by not rescuing them, which is really kind of cool thought. If someone's going to rescue, as a parent, definitely done it. So it's like, what's the mindset that I have? Oh, that's that I don't think my person's capable over here. Like if I'm a team leader, a manager, an owner, and I'm treating people as though they need to be rescued, I'm just enabling them to be weaker, which is interesting. So Dan, I've also think I've seen you do this with clients where you've not rescued them. And also I know from a parenting perspective, you, well, you probably watched people rescue their kids. So what are your thoughts on that? Because this goes beyond just entrepreneurs and team members. Well, I just happen to believe that, I mean, if you've somewhere along the line selected them to be part of the organization that you're in, you did because you thought that they were capable. Okay. So my sense is they're going to have to face up to hard experience until they decide to be capable, okay? Because, you know, like strategic coach, we inherit people from other places in life where we have no idea whether anyone ever asked them to be an adult. So they can come in, you know, maybe the school system didn't ask that they be like adults, maybe their parents didn't, but they have to be adults. And by adult, I simply mean that You take responsibility for learning from your own experiences and you don't ask to be protected from the reality of what you do, your performance and what you expect to do. Because first of all, I want to be surrounded by adults. But the other thing is I'm just doing a disservice to this human being by not asking them to grow up. Mm -hmm. That is so powerful, Dan. I really appreciate going deeper into this conversation. You know, from this mindset, be really careful about what you're creating for your future because rescuing people isn't going to get, it's not going to help them. It's certainly not going to help you or your organization. I mean, it's like, (laughs) you know, using another example that if you demonstrate that you're willing to rescue as a leader, there's just an unlimited number of crises that come up because... Getting rescued is part of the job, Burke. (laughs) And to that point, you can't really ever have a self-managing or self-multiplying company if that's how you're training people. Yep. 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 Mm. Excellent leadership advice, Dan. Thank you, thank you, thank you. As always, insightful and useful. Thank you. Thank you, Shannon. 